Before I jump into Proverbs, I, I felt maybe I should just turn to 1 Kings and just read um, where this originated, the whole book of Proverbs. So why don't we go to the Lord in prayer first. Father, thank you for this great work that you're going to do in Japan. Thank you for your love for those dear people, those millions and millions of people, so many who have never heard about you. God, have mercy on that country and those people. Lord, I pray for the team in Togo. I ask you to be with them. I thank you for all that they are accomplishing. I pray you bless them and return them safely to us. We pray, God, for the healing that took place last weekend, and I pray, God, for the incredible healing that's going to take place in people's lives this coming weekend. Thank you for the lives that are going to be changed at this God encounter. We give you praise for that. Lord, we stand in amazement at the goodness of God. God, use us, we pray and ask. For your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Praise God. First Kings chapter 3, let me start in about verse 5. Um, seldom um, just take the Bible and read out of it, but you know that the Word of God on the screen is just as powerful. You know that, don't you? All right. So, um, the years, um, uh, years ago, I guess it was, a pastor. Uh, bought an original King James Bible. And the, um, he had it there at his office, and he was preaching, and he used the new King James. And somebody in the church came to him and said, um, Pastor, you shouldn't be using anything but the original King James Version, and it's the only one that God wants us to use. And so he said, oh, well, he said, I actually have a copy of the original version. And he said, uh, so he took it and, and said, would you read some of this? She couldn't even read it, all right, because uh, it's not a language that we use today. So um, I don't ever have anybody come up to me with that. But the Word of God is, is real, whether it's on the pages and in this we call a Bible, or it's up real up there on that screen. Everybody said amen. All right, anyway, I don't know why I said that. Verse 5, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Wow. So tonight, what if you have a dream and God says to you, ask, what can I give you? What would you say? Okay, let's go back to the text. Sorry. So how many would say, God, I need wisdom. <laughs> There you have it. All right, so anyway, all right. And Solomon said, now, of course, you understand that um, he just become king of Israel. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, uh, when you read this verse, 
and, and talk about the way that David walked before the Lord. All of us know there were a couple major failures, about three major failures in the life of David. But David repented and David made it right. And David went on with all of his heart to serve the Lord. So that's the indication here. Verse 7, now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. How many of you ever feel like a little child? You know, you're like, I don't know what, what I'm doing. I, I'm a new parent. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I've, I've got this job. Uh, they've hired me, but they don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And so uh, you feel like, God, help me, all right? And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And look what it says. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life, nor great riches for yourself, nor for the life of your enemies, but you ask for understanding to discern justice. Therefore, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. Then all the way down to verse 15, then Solomon awoke, and indeed, it had been a dream. He awoke, and it had been a dream. But can you imagine going to sleep with the limited wisdom and knowledge you have and waking up with the great wisdom of God coursing through your brain and your day from that day forward um, was a different attitude, per, uh, perception, discernment, uh, acknowledgement of justice. And, and uh, God says, uh, you're going to have wisdom like no other man before you, nor, nor no physical earthly man after you. And so that is the basis of where we get the book of Proverbs, where God gave it to him, wisdom, not just so that he could be smart, but for an eternal purpose to minister to people. And so the same is true of you and I. God wants to give us the wisdom that we need, uh, that God imparts to us to minister to other people, to be a blessing to other people. And so keep that in mind as we get into the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter one, the Proverbs are meant to be to our practical life what the Psalms are to our devotional life, all right? So uh, earlier, Pastor Ben, you know, he's got all these accounting degrees and, um, and uh, has so uh, much education in that, that area of his life. And what he shared with us earlier, though simple, was profound. 
about giving, not being an expense, but an investment back into our lives. And I thought, boy, he needs to, he needs to capture that and, and we need to repeat it many, many times over because of the truth embedded in those statements. How many of you got that? I mean, it was good. You're acting like it's not. It was good, yes. It was really good. And for many of you, it was wisdom imparted to you. So he spoke wisdom right on from this platform. And yet, if you don't receive that wisdom and bring it into your life into a practical application, so how do you practice that wisdom? By giving by simply giving and experiencing the return on your giving or the investment on your giving. It doesn't take away, it adds to. See, that was wisdom, godly wisdom. And all of us heard it, and yet I, I challenge you that though we all heard it, some may not have yet put it into practice, and some, until I said it right now, weren't even planning to put it in practice. So I wanna challenge you. Put that wisdom in practice. Solomon got the wisdom from God and he put it into practice as it uh, was developed in his life, as uh, it, the need arose in his life. So, how I many of you are gonna plant? Well, I want him to ask for a show of hands. I pray to God you would experience the wisdom of giving. All right, so here are some laws from heaven for life on earth. These are principles and truth, wisdom for, from heaven for life on earth. Um, there are five characteristics that occur in the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs to convey timeless principles of living the great skill, this great skill for God's glory. So number one, these are things that Solomon uh, placed within these Proverbs to help make them simple to remember and to uh, put into practice uh, to recall in our mind. So then there's, first of all, the identical Proverbs. The second stanza or second line provides more insight concerning the subject of the first stanza or phrase, such as chapter 16, verse 18. It says, pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. We've all certainly no doubt heard that, or most of us. Pride goes before destruction. Now, I don't know what I believe to be many prideful people. Um, I don't meet uh, around this church at least what I perceive as haughty or proud. Uh, thank God for that because that brings destruction. That brings us down. I meet a lot of humble people around here and I thank God for it because you will never, and I've said it hundreds of times probably over the years, you will never reach success without humility and you will never maintain success without humility. Um, today, I had um, to acknowledge to someone on staff, um, I had to acknowledge that, boy, what I intended didn't turn out the way I intended it, and, uh, 
And so I said, hey, boy, I blew it, didn't I? And I said, I think I'll just punish myself on this one. Uh, it is a good thing to humble yourself. And uh, it's, it's not where we take advantage of our position. No, we walk in humility, whether we're a parent or an employer, or whatever, a teacher. No, teachers even have to walk in humility. And if you don't walk in humility, God will send a student into your classroom to help you walk in humility. Because God wants us to be humble. God's humble. That's a characteristic of God. So pride goes before destruction, and then the identical, the, a haughty spirit before stumbling. Haughty is full of pride and you act like you're better than other people. Thank God, uh, I, I don't know of anybody in this church like this. And don't come afterwards and tell me there are a few. All right, I don't even wanna know. I love thinking everybody in this church is humble because we should be. Number two, there is the opposite uh, in the Proverbs, all right? So in opposite Proverbs, the second stanza or line contrasts the first stanza. i give you an example. Chapter 11, verse 17. We'll get back to chapter one in just a few minutes. The merciful man. All right, chapter 11, verse 17. It's on the screen. The merciful man or woman does himself or herself good to be merciful, and the application is we are merciful to others. Even if they don't deserve mercy, we are merciful to other people. It's being merciful to others. So when you and I are merciful to other people, it does us good because instead of receiving a backlash or revenge, no, we receive goodness back or mercy back when we show mercy. The principles of God's word are all true. You sow mercy, you reap mercy. You sow kindness, you reap kindness. And so on and on it goes. But the cruel man, the cruel man, the opposite here, the cruel man does himself harm. So there are some of these verses, uh, like verse 18 of chapter 16, that are identical. There are those that are opposite, like verse 17 we just covered. Then there are those that are expansive. And uh, let me give you chapter 10, verse 18. It says, he who conceals hatred has lying lips. Now see, um, you're gonna reveal hate by your lips or you're going to conceal it by the lack of, of sharing with those lips or you lie with your lips. So if you, in your life, if you have hatred for someone, so you, and we're all sitting here, there's several hundred people sitting in this room and others that are listening, we don't wanna forget about you online, God bless you, and if you have hate, you need to get it out, all right? So, all right, so if you have hate in your life towards someone else, and we've been talking about abuse, so if you have hate toward the abuser, then you're gonna let it out by 
talking about in, in lack of mercy terms uh, about them, that hate is going to reveal itself through your words, or you can hide the hate. You can conceal the hate by lying lips. No, I don't hate anybody, but you do. There's hate inside. And I've described it before like this. When you hate somebody, it's like you have them caged up inside of your heart. And you carry them around. And every once in a while, you think about them. And sometimes other people bring them up. And so you reach in and you take them out of the cage. And you look at them. And you smack them around. And you say, you hurt me. I can't stand you. I will never forgive you. And we tell others, yeah. You think that person's good? Let me tell you something. And we just smack them around. Then we take them, put them back in their little cage in our heart and carry them around until we think about them again or somebody brings them up. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> and so, we carry them around. We don't like them. We even hate them. And we either reveal that to others or we conceal it because we're good Christians. So we conceal it inside. But unfortunately, that's why I've had sometimes over the years people say, I, you know, I love the Lord. I'm a Christian, but I just can't forgive. That's not something Christians should say. How many of you know that? We should not say, I, I'm a Christian. I love God, but I, I just can't. Yes, you can. No matter what they've done to you, no matter how much they've hurt you, no matter how they have ruined, apparently, what it looks like your life, no. God will turn your life around for good. He always does. And so don't let them steal from you. Now, all right, comparative. Comparative verses are like uh, 25 and 25. Proverbs 25, 25, like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. So you've got the same thought, but with comparative uh, verses or thoughts there. And then there is the formal, informal Proverbs. The second stanza completes the thought expressed in the first, such as chapter 16, verse 28, where it says, a perverse man, a perverse man, one that uh, does not go along with normal mores or society or culture. Uh, they, they cut against it uh, in regard, especially even in regard to sexual behavior. They're perverse. And so it's a formal, uh, it completes the thought. A perverse man spreads or expends uh, strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends, a slander, someone who spreads false uh, information about someone. Well, let me give you this statement. It's a, it's a lot to read, but let me read it for you because it's so true. The broad conveyance of the book of Proverbs is that wise people, those who live a life of obedience to God. How many wise people do I have in the audience? All right, we are wise people. Why? Because we choose to obey God, and that is wisdom. We'll live longer. 
Proverbs 9 and 11. We will live longer. We will prosper. While we live longer, we'll prosper. I'm not talking about a millionaire. I, I, I mean, that may be your plot and lard uh, thing in life, but uh, it's not necessarily the bank account, but to be prosperous and experience joy and the overall goodness of God during their life here on earth. I had someone share with me last night that, um, and I'll just share a snippet. He said, Jacob, when he stood before Pharaoh, the wisest uh, or the most powerful man, not the wisest, but the most powerful man in the world at that time, he stood before Pharaoh. Joseph was the man right under Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh's talking to Jacob and ask him about his life. And he says, I haven't lived as long as my forefathers. I've only lived 130 something years and short and evil have been my days. Short and evil have been my days. And he was just conveying to me, he was like, here Jacob had a chance to say, Pharaoh, let me tell you about my God. He appeared to me in a dream, in a ladder from earth to heaven, and God has blessed my life and, and impacted my life. He had the opportunity, but he missed that golden moment of opportunity because he viewed his life overall as bad and cruel and harsh, and, uh, and yet, he lived to see his son, the second in the empire of Egypt, the greatest nation on the earth at that time. And so, and, and to see his people blessed beyond measure in the land of Goshen, at least to start with. So how sad and tragic that was. So you and I, no matter if your life is, is not on the scale that you may desire it to be, you're still breathing, you're still alive, and you can find reason. Even though Jacob could find reasons to say, my life has been rough and tough and, and bad, he could also find reasons to rejoice over. So you and I, Let's find some reasons to rejoice, amen? Let's find some reasons to say, God, I give you praise. And not just in a worship service, but out there. Conversely, those who fail to live, according to Proverbs, referred to by this book as fools, suffer shame and death. They suffer shame and death. Spiritual death, but also early physical death. Um, you've seen people that have lived a hard, hard life and they look like they're way older. Um, a poor lady years ago came to our campus at Goldenrod and we were trying to help her and she looked, she looked old. And I asked her, I said, well, how old are you? And she said about 40 and I was in shock. I'm like, oh my Lord, this woman has lived such a hard life. But all you've got to do is bring Christ into that life of hardness. And all of a sudden there, sudden there is a light and a glow and a radiance through Christ uh, that he can make in a person's life. 
Well, who wrote the book of Proverbs? Of course, most of it was written by um, Solomon himself. And the wisdom was not to impress people. It was to help people. And so then, in 1 Kings chapter 4, I'm not going to turn there, but it says that Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. 3,000 words of wisdom directly from God Almighty. So that is one of the reasons we should study this book is because this is the wisdom that God gave Solomon to use as judgment of the people and to bless his people and to discern between good and evil. Well, also, there are the 13 sayings of Adger or Ager uh, has been pronounced a couple ways. And then the oracle of Lemuel, uh, the 31st chapter, his Lemuel's mother uh, were also included. That great last chapter of Proverbs that talks about women and uh, the glory of being a woman and being used of God and how they have influence. Well, the first nine chapters are a little book in themselves, all devoted to one theme, namely the extolling of wisdom or the getting of wisdom. Let me give you just a couple. Uh, we weren't, we're not going to have time to even complete the first chapter, but 15-fold purpose of Proverbs. Number one, let me give them to you quickly. Number one, to know wisdom, Proverbs 1 and 2, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. Uh, number two, to know instruction, to know instruction. Number three, to perceive understanding. By the time we get through the book of Proverbs, you're going to be some of the smartest people in Orlando. <laughs> to receive instruction and wisdom in Proverbs 1 and 3, it says to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And so God help us to bring this wisdom into our lives. Uh, James says, to, if you lack wisdom, pray for wisdom. And God may not have yet come to you in a dream and ask you what you wanted, but the wisdom that Solomon had is available to every one of us. Say amen. The wisdom Solomon had is available to every one of us. There's no excuse for a dumb Christian. There is none. Zero. I mean, you may not be learned in all the different things in life, but you can have more wisdom than all the professors at UCF put together. Because godly wisdom is greater than man's wisdom. And so if they don't know Christ, it's not available to them. But you and I know Christ, and it's available to us, each and every one of us. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you so much for wisdom. We thank you for the acquiring of wisdom. Lord, I thank you that even as people sitting right here apply the wisdom of your word and the wisdom of Proverbs to their life. I thank you, Lord God, that there are people that 
have not practiced what the wisdom that Pastor Ben shared earlier. And they're going to start to practice and incorporate not just a salary receiving and expenses paying, but they're going to experience giving and the joy that it brings. God, help us all to walk in your divine wisdom. Lord, there are people sitting here that that don't know what to do about certain situations. I pray, God, the awareness and the impartation of the wisdom of God would be imparted to their minds even this night. I pray, God, that in the morning people will wake up and a light bulb will go off about something they're facing. God, that they will give you all the glory. God, as we walk in this incredible wisdom that at times will astound people that it came out of our mouths. God, may we take no glory in it, but may we give you all the glory. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Lord, for helping all of us. Lord, to walk closely with you and obey your words, putting it into practice in our lives and making it available to others around us. In Jesus' name. Well, every head is bowed, please. Every head is bowed. Christians, you're whispering a prayer for maybe those in this building that may be sitting right here that don't have a relationship with Christ. It's amazing to me that people, yes, can people come to church and not have a relationship with Christ? Absolutely. In the first church I ever served in so many years ago, there was a lady that was there all the time. After I left, having served there that summer, Someone said, you remember this lady, she gave her heart to Christ. To say I was astounded was an understatement. She exhibited all the external signs of a relationship, but she did not have one in her heart. She had never repented and totally committed her life to Christ. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe on the external all the signs or symptoms are there, but there's still that longing in your heart, that awareness of emptiness in your heart. Tonight, all that can change by simple decision on your part, by simply using wisdom of the, the wisdom of God to say yes to the Spirit of God. Cross this building. If that's you, you need Christ. You need, you need forgiveness. You need to repent. I want you right now, just slip your hand up. Let me see it. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Yeah. See, it's wisdom to respond. The Spirit of God touched your heart, and you responded. Anyone else in this room? Anyone else? You'll lift your hand. Maybe even watching online. Maybe you're watching or passing by in the room where the computer's on it. And God is dealing with your heart. I would challenge you this night, say yes.
Maybe even fall on your knees before God and say, God, I need you. I need you, God. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom to turn my life around. God, help me to do that. In Jesus' name. Stand with us, please. Everybody all over the building, stand with us. By the grace of God, I promise you we'll finish chapter 1 next week and get more in-depth to it. But tonight we're going to open these altars as we always do. We're going to open these altars and those of you that raised your hand, I want to challenge you. Do one more wise thing. Come to this altar and let somebody pray with you around this front. Or maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I need some wisdom. See, we, have, we can have knowledge about different things, but we need wisdom to apply the knowledge to life. So you need some wisdom from God in a particular situation. Why don't you come to this front? You need a healing, whatever it is, God is the answer. So why don't you come right now from all over the building? If you raise your hand, especially make your way to this front, slip up close to the altar area and let's pray before you leave this building.